All right, kids, here we go. Next seminar up October 14th through the 16th. After that, December 9th through the 11th. And then the first seminar of 2023 is February 17th through the 19th. Just a note on that. The price of the seminar will be going up in 2023. So if you're on the fence about October or December, don't delay. For training camps on the list, November 19th, we have a self-sufficient lifter camp. That's in Wichita Falls, covering the squat, the press, the deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. Then we have our lift, shoot, flight camp. This is a two-day camp, December 17th through the 18th in Wichita Falls, covering, obviously, all of the lifts, some combatives, and some firearms fun. Then we have a couple camps in Seoul, South Korea. That's December 4th, we'll have a squat camp, and then after that will be a deadlift and power clean camp, so both those camps on the same day. If you purchase both those camps together, you do get a $40 discount. For squat and deadlift camps on the list with spots available still, December 11th in Chicago at Starting Strength Chicago, then November 19th in Moodus, Connecticut at Anino Strength and Conditioning. For three lift camps on the list covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift, we do have one in Baltimore on October 30th at 5x3 Training, and then another on December 11th in London. Starting Strength gyms continue to look for talent and are hiring. So, if you are interested to find out if a spot is opening near you or if there's a spot that you might be willing to move to for a specific position, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, get on the list, and find out what's available through ENA. We also have some specific opportunities for Armed Forces veterans, so talk to ENA about those as well if you qualify. That's startingstrengthgyms.com and check out the coaching tab. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting strength. Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Starting Strength Radio is what we call our podcast here. You may be asking, but I'm watching this on video. Why isn't it called Starting Strength Video? Why would you call a video Starting Strength Radio? And you know what? That's a damn good question. Why are we calling this Starting Strength Radio? Because it's a podcast, too. I think oh, because it's an audio podcast yeah. I think you well. forgot that most people consuming this are listening to it, not watching consuming. it. Consuming. Yeah. They're consumers of podcast material. Right. Audio. <clears throat> audio. Most people are listening to this in the car. Is that what you're saying? Or while they're lifting, while they're cooking. On their headphones. Headphones. While they're making love to their spouse. On their iPod. Yeah. You imagine <laughs> listening to me while you're making love to your, <laughs> I bet it happens. To your spouse. I bet not. <laughs> I bet that had never happened. Hang once. on, baby. I gotta put on practical programming. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta listen to Rip talk about the wolf man <laughs> it happens i'm sure hey i'm sure it does i'm sure well it will now for sure <laughs> now that we 
planted that someone just seed. Someone just discovered a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> a new deal. <laughs> Lay in pipe with Rip. Oh, God. <laughs> Lay that pipe. Okay. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today? How's this table so damn dirty? Bree, God damn it. What aspect of your job do you actually... Well, anyway. All right. Now, today what we're going to talk about is... This is going to be real amusing to some of you people. But we're going to talk about body fat percentage and body composition. We're going to discuss all aspects of that. And why, you might ask, is Ripito qualified to talk about that? Well, because Ripito has a body composition. <laughs> and so why not talk about it? I have a body composition just like everybody else does. Right? Yeah. Probably more qualified to talk about that than other things. I'm we talk at about. least as qualified to talk yeah. about that as I am politics. Sure. Or epidemiology. Yeah. <laughs> or climatology. <laughs> Let's have at it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, shit. But first, <laughs> comments from the haters. This week, you people are so disappointing. I, You know, this week, there was nothing worth talking about. Except one little deal here. All right, we get a. This is and this is not a classic comment from the haters, which are mostly taken from the YouTube right. comments. This is a. I think this was uh, a uh, an email to uh, to breed. It's startingstrengthgems dot com. Oh, to be to breed directly. It, it's what it says right here. To starting strength gyms, Bree at starting strength gyms.com. Look at that. So, uh, this guy whose name is uh, Jim Unpronounceable <laughs> uh, says, uh, Hello, I watched a starting strength podcast episode last night in which Ray Gillenwater and Nick Delgadillo talked about nutrition priorities for strength trainees. I think they were bashing on people who were skinny and overweight. I think they thought being muscular was the best type of body to have. And now he begins to provide information. About that, himself? No, about oh. just, you know, shit everybody ought to know. Okay. Right? There are different body types, such as ectomorph, endomorph, mm. and mesomorph. Right. I've heard of that. I have a copy of that book someplace. The Atlas of Human something or other. Atlas of the Human Body. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it's a big yeah. coffee table book. Right. And it uh, it classifies, classifies the bodies into ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph. And how you should train each kind no, of body. No, it doesn't talk about that. Well, that's that's what's taken from, from that information. Well, he's expanding upon that. He he says, uh, 
Well, actually, he's not. He says, I would like to know what the podcast participants think about different body types. Well, I can't answer that because I wasn't on that podcast. Where I, I was on bashed. It. I was on it. There was no judgment, no bashing of anything. It was it just, wasn't? It was just information. Well, then you fucked it up. Well, yeah. Because you should have bashed it. Yeah, I should have. <clears throat> should have bashed skinny and overweight. If I knew that he was listening, I would have bashed. Right. I would have bashed specifically All right, so tall, slender people. <laughs> tall, slender people are worth bashing. Yes. Absolutely. People come in all shapes and sizes. So I think it's great to love the skin you're in. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> he there we actually go. wrote that. Thank you for that. There we go. I'm a tall and slim. Oh, tall and slim. I would like to be, I would be called skinny by them. But I like my body image. Good. A lot of people don't. Well, good. Yeah. Good for you, Jim. We don't like your body image, you skinny fuck. <laughs> I am not disappointed when I see myself in the mirror. My muscles are revealed better because I am slim and have low body fat, 11%. Thank you, Jim Unpronounceable. All right. Now, isn't it interesting how skinny people always know their body fat percent? Yeah, we were just talking about that. How does he know? How does he know? Because he's had it measured. Yeah. You think he went and had like so he can tell everybody how yeah, how tell everybody healthy he is. I think he, he probably is. has it measured over months. Oh yeah, so you can tell everybody how healthy he is. I've got eleven percent. This health fat. is low body fat. Yeah, I'm healthy. Obviously, health is low body fat, and uh, you know, low low body fat is the be all and end all of human existence. Right. Like if you can't see your abs, like Jean Claude Van Damme, or like Tony Little. <laughs> Or the other Tony. Which one? Horton. Oh. P90X Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. Well, if you can't see your your abs, you know, the veins on top of your abs, well, you're you're just your fundamental worth is low. Right? Right. There you go. Now he's been bashed. Yeah, you tall, skinny piece of shit. Just, <laughs> you know, gain some weight, for God's sakes. All right? And that's this week's installment of Comments, comments. from... from the haters. Although that wasn't was in a as, as hate-filled as We've, most of them usually I mean, are. we need to talk about this. We've got a problem. You know, Ray, Ray is making the YouTube channel too positive. No one wants to make hater comments about some guy who beat cancer or some shit, right? So I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, I, you know, look, there's probably a market for a uh, a podcast that uh, people don't hate, <laughs> right? I guess so. <laughs> <Would> you, <laughs> is that a far-fetched, you know? <laughs> Maybe I don't we, know. I think we ought to you know, just... You know what would generate... Hell, I haven't been consulted on the damn thing, so I don't. I didn't even know he was doing it until he just started showing up one day. I, 
Nobody well, ever tells I me bet, anything. I bet if Rip talks about body fat, it will generate That'll some generate hate. That'll generate some hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, sure. yeah, we're talking about body fat. Well, but still. Body composition, there'll be hate comments. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be. This one, this thing we're going to do today will be good for a whole year's worth <laughs> it all, it all, of comments it, it from the It all haters. hinges on Rusty's selection of the clips. Clips, yeah. So as right. long as Rusty gets us good clips, we're going to get some hate. And then when the kettlebell video comes out, then we'll, we'll be set. We'll be set for another two years. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to think about that kettlebell video. Yeah. That's got the potential to be thoroughly hated. Yeah. Just really excite some people. Yeah. I mean, the people that have spent, what, $5,000 on a kettlebell cert. They will hate us. Yeah. Yeah. And kettlebells are expensive, too. Oh. Especially now. I mean, supply chain problems. The kettlebell supply chain has been completely disrupted, (laughs) from what I understand. I don't even know what a kettlebell costs. I mean, it's 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 more than a Seven or eight thousand dollars a piece, I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, cast iron at this point is kind of like cadmium, (laughs) you know? Now, you probably make cadmium, solid cadmium kettlebells. Cheaper than Cheaper than the ones I've got. Yeah. Remnant kettlebells I've got at the gym that we use for doorstops. Not even an exaggeration. We've got kettlebells. kettlebells. You do have a lot of kettlebells. I do? Yeah. There's how many are there over there? Twelve? Four or five. There's like twelve over there. There's twelve kettlebells? Yeah. No, don't lie. And right? we don't use we them try for to anything get rid of except holding the front door open. We got to carry something big in. We use them as tripods too. Yeah, I prop my phone up on it. Yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, they work pretty good for that, I guess. Yeah. Pretty stable. They're being heavy and <laughs> yeah. stable and shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. So uh, anyway, so that's we're just letting you know that the kettlebell. Uh, video it won't be a podcast on kettlebells because that would be pointless. Right. Uh, the kettlebell video will be coming up. Yep. And you can uh, enjoy that in the same way that you've enjoyed the trap bar deadlift video over the years. Do you think a podcast of like top five most worthless gym equipment would be something worth like through doing. history yeah through like through history or things that are being used now a podcast or a video a podcast and you just go through each one and talk about why it sucks about so why it sucks dicks yeah <laughs> yeah we could do that i know. mean you could fill up an hour and a cool half to, with that it'd be cool to talk about because you, you know you've been you, you've been in the gym doing barbells for 40 years and uh, all the i mean just just as, i mean i remember as a kid all the machines that went under the bed mm-hmm. yeah but all I, it'd be interesting to hear all the shit that came even before that well uh people don't remember this but back in the 60s in the morning almost every one of the networks had a little exercise show that ran about 7 a.m and it was, you know, it's calisthenics and Jack LaLanne, you know. I remember doing, seeing those as a doing kid. different things. Maybe maybe not every channel, but I remember there was a channel oh, that had oh, there was, exercise stuff. They were very popular there for a while. Uh, there weren't any, uh, you know, there wasn't any, any barbells involved in anything. Right. But it was just all shit they could do with a, you know, a guy here and here's a guy and there's a couple of girls and, right you know in uh tights right no nipples or anything right couldn't 
couldn't see nipples. That was just not done. And they do <laughs> side straddle hops. Uh-huh. Yeah. Get down on the floor and do push-ups and all kinds of weird-ass things. Told you about breathing, how important it was to breathe and shit. Because not breathing is always, you know, suboptimal. Plagued. It's you a know, concern. Plagued the species. So, um, <laughs> you just forget. forget but it was, breathe. yeah, that, that, was a, that was a popular deal back a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, we could do that. We could do, a, you know, talk about Nautilus and Universal Gym machines and yep. stuff. Kettlebells. Kettlebells, CrossFit. Bowflexes. <clears throat> Would kettlebells exist Bowflexes. today without CrossFit? I never heard of a kettlebell until CrossFit. CrossFit resurrected them. Yeah. Oh, they kind of come back around every once in a while. And yeah. They were popular for a time back in the 60s. But, and then again in the 80s, they were you know yeah star always talked about it you know they just resurrected from the dead every once yeah. in a while and everybody have to do kettlebells it's a shit. lot like the martial arts world there's always a legend behind it right so the the kettlebell was the russian the cannonballs and they didn't have equipment so they took cannonballs and swung them around and, or some shit yeah something like that <laughs> yeah, the origin the origin story <laughs> right pirates right. used them yeah. Pirates. <laughs> Pirates used to watch ships. Every yeah. morning they would get together on the on the deck and just have a little bit of a brief workout. Kind of a little swing. <laughs> a little swing in. Yeah. Well. <laughs> we can't afford gym equipment. But here's all these cannonballs. Yeah. yeah. Swing these bitches Let's around. make a handle. <laughs> swing them around. Well, uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, there's no telling where they came from, though. <laughs> no telling who invented the kettlebell, but it was Pavel. <laughs> Pavel. <laughs> and then he came up with the origin story at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to have a background, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the uh, I guess we better go ahead and yeah, why not? This, sure. Jump right into this body composition topic. For some reason, body composition is everybody's favorite thing to obsess over, right? And, uh, you know, don't think that we all haven't gone through this. Uh, You know, this fascination with bodybuilding and abs and visible veins and all this other shit that are associated with very thin skin and low body fat. All right, the, uh, here's an important piece of background information. All right, human beings, homo sapiens, and this has been true for hundreds of thousands, if not, well, it probably wasn't relevant four million years ago because we weren't in Northern Europe at that point. But, uh, Human beings store body fat subcutaneously. That's the normal storage site for body fat. All right. Now, body fat can be stored around the organs internally. Body fat can be stored intra-abdominally, around the kidneys, all 
of this intra-abdominal fat storage is not it's not terribly specific to human beings that's all mammals store fat in the gut all right human beings are kind of uh specific in that they store body fat under the skin this is a normal storage site for body fat in the human being some other mammals store fat under the skin some don't pigs suede store fat under the skin cattle when fed enough to get them fat store fat under the skin but mammals in the wild typically do not store fat under the skin but humans do now i'm real sorry about that okay i'm you know let me apologize for this right up front but it is normal for a human being to have fat under the skin that's where it goes it serves several functions under the skin it serves as padding against a rough physical existence it cushions blows for example it provides insulation in cold weather this is probably why uh it is selected for uh, in the groups of human beings that evolved to adapt to northern latitudes. So the, the Asian people that, that uh, evolved in, in cold weather store fat sub-Q. White people store fat sub-Q. Other races tend to not store as much fat sub-Q. But subcutaneous fat is a perfectly normal place for human beings to store fat. Which means that if you are walking around at 6% body fat, you are abnormal. That is abnormal. All right? And the only reason you think that 6% body fat looks cool is because of bodybuilding. That's the only reason you think this and I cannot stress enough the point that extremely low body body fat on top of a muscular athletic physique is a construct of the companies that produced bodybuilding magazines in the 60s 70s and 80s and who run the websites now okay everyone has has been presented with the idea that frank zane had the perfect physique because his body fat was low and he had separated muscle bellies and you could see vascularity under under the under the skin on top of the muscles this was a very specifically marketed thing a lot of people nowadays don't remember the checkout lines in in the grocery stores where the weeder company took very specific steps to have their magazines on the shelves at the checkout at the grocery store so you could see these and buy them when you were checking out with your groceries made a big impression on everybody they did their job very very well but once again a human 
at 6% body fat is abnormal. To the extent that the guy on the cover of the bodybuilding magazine at 6% body fat and at a body weight of 245, a big, strong, muscular guy with 6% body fat was in that condition for about six hours one day when the pictures were taken. Some of these guys got real good at timing that that state of hydration and low body fat for the night of the show when all the pictures would be taken. All right, so this is a this is a terribly specific skill that these guys got real real good at doing. And the guys whose names you know were very very good at timing that state of body composition to coincide with the show or a photo shoot that was scheduled, okay? But once again, it is normal for humans to store fat under the skin. Now, different levels of body fat storage under the skin uh, are normal as well. Very, very few people are normally and naturally at below 10% body fat. Very, very few. Most normal humans uh, are somewhere between 10 and 20% body fat in a normal state of healthy body composition. Somewhere even, between ten and twenty body, 20, ten and twenty percent body fat. Yeah, even the, even the little skinny guy walking around. The skinny guy not, walking around is twelve or thirteen percent. He's not. He's not at six percent body fat. Nope. That only happens intentionally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it only happens intentionally and with a lot of um, with a lot of effort. Right? And a it lot. Can't, and it can't be a lot of effort and, and a whole yeah. lot of obsessive, compulsive behavior. And it's not sustainable. It, yeah, like it's, Russell not, said, so. it's not sustainable. It's that's why it has to be timed. Yeah. And when when women it's get down timed. in there, their bodies start shutting down in weird ways. Weird stuff starts happening. Oh, women are never women. Well, you know, and this is another interesting topic of discussion. Women in the same visible condition as men are still carrying more body fat as a percentage of body composition than men are. Uh, A female who looks like the guy who is carrying 6% for the contest is, is carrying 10 or 11%. Right. Yep. And because she's got fat in places that won't come off, because mm-hmm. it's not supposed to come off, and it, uh, it, it, you know, you, you just some people just get real obsessive about this, and and we call that anorexia nervosa, and it happens in uh, in women more than it does in men there are men with that condition for sure men yep. with that psychological problem but women display far higher levels of that of that uh, psychological disorder than men do but it all comes from an obsession over body fat percentage and appearance humans once again are normal between 10 and 20 percent body fat okay now if you want to look at various 
types of athletes, you will see that uh, high-level football players are very, very seldom under 15% body fat. Very seldom. Because they have to eat enough to get recovered. If you eat enough to get recovered, you're going to put on some body fat. And a little bit of body fat is padding, keeps you from getting hurt so bad, provides storage calories, reservoirs, energy. But even even you know, your even your you know, fullbacks and your uh, you know your backs and, and all those guys, uh, they're they're what the average person would consider fit and and ripped, right? But, right. But they're still carrying up upwards of 12, they're 12 13 percent body fat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, they're, they are. they're sure as fuck not in the in the in the single digits performing no. at that level. Oh, of course not. Yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 no. They're not. And so when you so let's be clear because when you're saying they're carrying some body fat to the average person, that is still an extremely athletic looking person, and you can still uh, see their twelve percent is low body fat. Right. Right. Twelve percent is low body fat. Six percent is abnormal yep. body fat. Uh, 12% is low body fat. Normal body fat is 16 to 18% for athletic people. That's normal body fat. And there are linemen, obviously. Who are higher, for sure. That are higher, higher levels of body fat. But if they weren't good athletes, they wouldn't be being paid to play on the front line. Right. Right. So, um... Yeah, and you know there are several things that 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 vary with uh, uh, that that cause variations in the appearance of these guys. Uh, some people have thinner skin than other people do. The dermis is thinner. Yep. And if you've got thin, naturally thin skin, then you're going to have a different muscular appearance than someone with thicker skin. Thin skin is, you know, throughout most of history where people were working for a living, is was not something that would be considered a, a adaptive advantage. Sure. You know, skin protects you. Thick skin is is a good thing. Right? But it looks different overlaying muscle than thin skin does. Yep. Okay. So uh, you know, and tall people uh, have uh, you know at the same visual appearance will have higher body fat than short people. Somebody that is uh, that is six two, you know, in in bodybuilding contest shape at say two seventy five, two eighty five, two ninety five, is going to be carrying probably three or four percent more body fat than somebody that is five six at the same visible level of body fat yep these things all vary with with the individual and uh you know we we've had our perception of of what is normal body fat skewed by um by bodybuilding bodybuilding is marketing bodybuilding is not a sport i'm sorry bodybuilding is, is a sport it doesn't matter that the guy trains hard right doesn't matter how he trained at the contest what does he do he has to look better than somebody else it's a yeah. pageant at that point it's a pageant yeah 
It's that's it exactly what it is. It's a beauty page. Right. Is a beauty page is Miss America a sport? I would say no. No. I <laughs> don't think anyone would say that it was. Uh doesn't mean it's not hard. Right. Doesn't mean that, that huge amounts of preparation don't go into the into the uh show prep. Doesn't mean that it's easy, doesn't mean everybody can do it, right? But it it, it is not a sport. Bodybuilding is a the bodybuilders are born. They're not they're not trained. And boy, it took lots of us a long time to figure that out when we were kids trying to train for this kind of shit. We just couldn't everybody started off in bodybuilding. Back when I was first started doing this shit, the everybody was a bodybuilder. Everybody thought they were a bodybuilder. Nobody nobody had any Hell, the powerlifters thought they were bodybuilders. Everybody had physique in mind. That's just the way it was back in the 60s and 70s. Everybody was thinking in terms of physique. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest problems I had was uh, Star was, you know, Bill was my coach, but Bill was about half bodybuilder. Well, in the early days, they were they were connected. In the early days, it was the you did both. Yeah, if you were in the physique show, you'd been in the weightlifting meet right. too. Right. So Star kind of came from that world. He right? came from that world. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And uh, he should have told me at five eight, having to make weight at two twenty at a meet, he should have told me to go to two forty two, and he didn't do it. Yep. I would have lifted a whole bunch more weight at 242 than I would have at 220. He should have encouraged me to go up, you know. And I, you know, I kind of resented that. But you know, what are you going to do? He yep. didn't. It's just not the way he thought about things. He still thought about physique. He thought about health. He thought about. He had John Grimmick as his role model, and. Uh, all those guys at York looked up to John Grimmick, and John Grimmick was a bodybuilder. Yep. That was also a pretty good weightlifter, but he was, that's where all that came from. And it's just, you know, it can't be helped at this point, but uh, uh, I didn't perform at my best at 220. At 5'8, at 220, you're too short to be 220. So I should have, I should have gone on up. And that would have entailed me going up in body fat because muscle and body fat are connected. And we've said this many times. If you gain muscular body weight, you will also gain some body fat. It is unavoidable. The two are tied. Body composition is tied together. Now, you can skew the percentages of muscle and fat with diet and training. But you cannot alter the fact that if you go from 220 to 242, that some of that 22-pound weight body weight increase is going to be body fat. Most of it will be muscle, but some of it will be body fat. And that's okay. Yeah. That's but, okay because but, you're trying to lift weights. You're not trying to be abs, yeah. right? But, Rip, to be clear, because the uh, entire world and Internet thinks that when you say that, that they need to – so you're saying 
You're going to gain weight. Some of that weight will be body fat. You're going to be have to be okay with gaining body fat. Gaining right. body fat does not mean getting fat because gaining body fat does not mean getting fat. It's two different a five things. eight two hundred and forty two pound power lifter is not fat because you at five eight at two twenty two twenty were very lean. That's probably twelve percent right? body fat. Well, exactly. So so if you would have gone up to two forty two maybe thirteen, fourteen percent, but I was not yeah, you, I was not sixteen percent. If you would have gone up to two two forty two or even two seventy five. If I'd gone by, up to two forty two, I would have probably ended up at about sixteen, seventeen percent body fat. And, and which is below normal and to everybody for a looking human male. Right. And to everybody looking from the outside, you would not be considered fat. You I would, would look, not have looked like I had gained any fat that's at exactly all. Right. And that's it. That's the thing that people are, have trouble understanding. Right. When you, no, it doesn't when you, go on your belly. Right. Exactly. Doesn't go on your belly. The percentage goes up, but what's the difference from twelve to to fifteen, twelve to eighteen, even with with concurrently gaining that much strength and that much muscle mass? Mm-hmm. Appearance wise, it, it does. It looks better. Looks In better. Fact, it looks you better. You look better. Your neck's bigger. Your yeah. arms are bigger. Your traps are bigger. All of the things that look like muscle are bigger because they are bigger right. and the fact that you've added two percent body fat is not noticeable yeah okay now this this is probably a good time to go ahead and 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 talk about this what makes a muscular male a guy that trains look like he trains what makes you, the observer, look at a guy and say, that guy's pretty strong. Looks like he trains. Looks like a lifter. Well, it's, it's basically the things that you obtain from doing the deadlift, if you think about it. Okay? Uh, you will have, from the top down, you're going to have a bigger neck and you're going to have visible traps on top of your shoulders shoulders don't look like that they're not flat and level they're sloped because of the bulk of the trapezius muscle on the posterior side of the shoulder that merges into the neck the neck will be bigger your neck gets bigger when you train without training the neck because the neck gets trained isometrically Anytime you lift a heavy weight in the deadlift, squat, bench press. Right? Yeah. That's why your neck, iron neck trainer is bullshit, guys. Don't yeah. do that. You don't need to train your neck. That's stupid. That's what hurts yourself. You, you know what that thing is? No. Never. You attach it to like a, a whatever. I've seen various types of neck training well, yeah. harnesses. Yeah, yeah we know, used to do it in football. Like you put this a one thing looks on. horrible for your so, cervical spine. So you attach it to your head, and it's a, it's a, it's a disc with a free-moving disc on the inside, and it offers resistance through bands or whatever, but then you move your head like this, and you twist it. So you're twisting your head under load. How, first of all, how much load can you put onto your neck with this device that's inherently unstable? Right. In order to get stronger, zero, right? I mean, well, nothing significant. You know, it's just, and it's just a mischaracterization of what the hell the neck muscles do. That's right. What do the neck muscles do, boys and girls? They keep your neck still. They protect your cervical spine by holding it still against a resistance. Like in the deadlift, right? 
and your neck gets bigger. One of the things that you'll notice if you spend a year training with barbells and you gain 55 pounds of good body weight, you're going to notice that about 15 pounds of that good body weight is fat. You won't notice it, but it won't be visible, but that will have happened. But what you will notice is that without having done anything for your neck, you've gone up an inch and a half in neck circumference. Your shirts are all going to have to be bought. you got to buy new shirts. Everybody grows a neck, whether they want to or not. That's just what happens when you train with weights. Okay? Now, your arms are going to be bigger. Whether you do curls or not, your arms grow when you deadlift. Your arms grow. Your forearms grow when you deadlift. Your hands get visibly bigger and stronger when you deadlift. Okay? Your lats grow because the lats are extremely important in the deadlift. And the lats grow as your deadlift goes up. Your waist stays about the same. Your hips, on the other hand, get deeper front to back. Your ass grows. You grow glutes. Right? Your legs grow in size all the way down to the knees. Your calves might grow a little bit, but calves are genetic. Calves are worked real hard in the deadlift, in the squat. People don't understand. You don't have to do. We don't have any calf machine work in the program anywhere because your calves stabilize the knee when you're squatting and deadlifting. And when you're pressing, the calves stabilize the knee. And the calves, just like the neck, grows under the isometric work that is imposed on it when you do full body barbell training. All right, so the process of gaining from, say, 175, say you're 5'11", you come into gym, you weigh 175 pounds, and you train yourself up to at, at 5'11 to 220 over the course of a year. You look different, and you look different because of the fact that muscles grew and a muscular man looks different than a skinny man all right yep. I, I, there aren't many cultures on earth that value skinny over muscular yeah you know primitive cultures certainly don't to 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 primitive people to hunter-gatherer people, a heavier body weight means that you're better at this job of providing food for people than if you're skinny. Skinniness has never been a, a hallmark of uh, worship in a culture until recently. Well, even to this day, the, the, the heroes in the movies are still big and strong. Heroes I mean, relati- in the movies. Relatively, right? We, we, don't, we, don't have the, we don't have the 80s anymore where every action movie was a bodybuilder. But, um, you know, people still want to see a, a, a big Thor. 
I'd rather see a bigger Thor than we all would. Than we uh, all would. Than Chris, what's Hemsworth, his name? Because right. he weighs Chris like one eighty, and that's was, big for Hollywood. You know, Thor should have been six four, two seventy five. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, you know. Yep. You represent the god. He doesn't need to be represented by Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Who's probably a decent guy, but, you know, he's just not... He's not a big guy. He's not Thor. He's, he's not impressive physically. He's not physically impressive. Maybe to the ladies, but I think they'd be more impressed with a 6'4", 275 Thor. Sure they would. Yeah. Sure they would. Uh, so, anyway, what do you think Thor's body fat was? Thor, yeah, the Thor, the, the legendary the god, Thor, the the god, the Norse god Thor. What do you think his body he, fat? He loves fucking mead. He's in the twenties. He's in the twenties. He's in the twenties. Yeah. He's in the low twenties. Yeah. He's got a little belly. Big thick dude. Because he's a big strong creature, and strong creatures have a thick waist. Because you have to stabilize the spine, or you get hurt. And spinal stability comes from erectors and abs. It comes from the circle of muscle around the low back. And a big, strong man has got a gut. Yep. I think the best modern depiction of Thor is is from, uh, is it God of War? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, The latest God of War video game. Oh, I hadn't seen it. Oh, he looks cool as shit. He's Big, strong guy. Yeah. Yeah, huge. Terrifying looking. Yeah, big red-headed. Yeah. And the classic perception of the god is a big, huge, thick, strong, red-headed, red-bearded. Yeah, they did it right. Man with big hands and big forearms. And that's the that's the classic perception of the god Thor. Yeah. They always did it right in those video games, so that even the old ones, yeah, they the expected the Greek yeah. gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they true. They did exactly how they were described. Right. The Thor comics from Marvel back 50 years ago were drawn with a skinny Thor. Yeah. He was always blonde in the comics. Right. And I can't remember who drew that. Was that Kane? Oh, I don't know. That drew that uh, I character. I don't think I don't, it was Kane. Kane was associated with Batman. But, but that's typically what people think of when you know, yeah. nor, uh, you know, Northern European, right? Blonde, tall, blonde. Right. Well, Marvel reinvented the character. Yeah. Completely, because the Thor didn't need any help. <laughs> Thor had been in existence for a very, very long time. And in the movies, he's pretty fucking sensitive too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Every movie, he's searching for himself. Yeah. Every that's hilarious. Movie. Every I movie. A, I think it's really damn funny. I just want to see him wreck shit. Yeah, yeah. The best Thor we got was in um in uh was it Infinity War when he showed back up with the fucking yeah. um, axe. Yeah. That was the best Thor we ever yeah. got. Yeah. Yep. Because he just wrecked shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but but what that that makes a very good point. All right, uh, European culture has been influenced for you know fifteen hundred years by a mythology that was centered around physical heroism. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You know, 
you you had the 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 ring sagas all of the all of the stories of of northern europe were all about physical combat and the ability to carry on physical combat and that meant a big strong guy now what's a big strong guy look like and this is this is central to this discussion right yeah what does a big strong guy look like does he have a little narrow thin waist and abs no no he doesn't a thin abdominal looking waist is not associated with great physical strength right i mean as far as bodybuilders are concerned ronnie coleman did not have a little bitty waist ronnie had big waist but he had thin skin over it he was a big strong man and uh you know, I, I wouldn't care to speculate on what his waist size was, but I bet it was 40 when he was in contest shape. I bet he had a 40-inch waist. I'm sure he'll call us and correct me if I'm not yeah. if I'm wrong. We could probably but look I, it up. I, I, it's got to be out there, right? So I'm looking up right now. Gosh, I don't yeah, know. Look it up. See what it says. Well, earlier you said. Uh, you said if you've got if you've gone from one seventy five to what'd you say two twenty two twenty five over the course right. of a year, um, you, you know people listening to that have to also remember that there is a there's a weight on the bar associated with that weight gain as well. Right? Yeah, they didn't just do it sitting on the couch. Exactly. I mean, and if, you if, said it. You said you, you said through training through but, training. But if people, you've gone from one seventy five to two twenty five, you've gained fifty pounds in a year. That means that your squat has gone from 135 to at least 405. Yep, high threes for sure. High threes anyway. It it means that your deadlift has gone from 165, 185 to the high fours. Right. 475, something like that. It means your bench has gone from 115 to in the high high twos. High twos, low threes. 300. Yep. It means your press has gone from 95 pounds, 75 pounds to, to... 185 yep that's right these are all these are all extremely important things keep in mind we're not gaining weight sitting on the couch eating potato chips and drinking coke well not even not even that rip it's not even that bad it's it's missing workouts you don't miss workouts the numbers have to go up to drive the muscular body weight increase yeah and if you walked in the gym at 175, you're 5'11", you're 175, you walked in the gym at 16% body fat, then when you are 225, you are going to probably be 16, 17% body yep. fat. Yeah. Provided that your numbers went up appropriately. Right. When your numbers went up, as we just described your body fat will be about the same as it was, which means that body fat's increased a little bit in terms of the total amount of mass. Exactly, right. But as a percentage, it'll be about the same. Yep. And even if it's a little higher, it's, again, it's, it's Even not, if it's, it's a little higher, you've gone from this right. to this, right. and it looks different. Yoked, as the kids say. Yoked. Yep. You become yoked. I think they're referring to the neck and traps when yeah. they say that, don't they? Yep. 
I would assume. Right. And that's, you know, that's the first but, thing we talked about. But what do you look like when you get big and strong? Right. That's the fundamental piece that everybody uh, mischaracterizes about what you're saying. It's the, the number attached to the weight gain, right? Oh, Ripito right. wants everybody to gain 50 pounds. Ripito wants everybody to get fat. Ripito wants your squat to go up 300 pounds and gain 50 pounds. Right. Right. That's the deal. Right. Ripito wants you to get bigger by making your squat go up 300 pounds. That's what Ripito wants. Yeah. He didn't want you to eat donuts. He didn't want you to drink a gallon of milk if you already weigh 275. <laughs> no, he never said that. He doesn't want you to get huge and fat. He wants you to eat enough to train and get recovered. And what most, as an aside here, most people don't understand how much food that is. Right. Most people don't understand what it takes at 175 on a daily basis to get from 175 to 225 right people do not understand the quantity of food involved in that and that it won't make you fat all right you are if you are a young man in your 20s and you are training hard enough to get your squat from 135 up to 405 you are ravenously hungry all the time. You should be, right. And you need to eat. Yep. You need to eat. You need to sate your hunger every time it comes on. Because that's how you get recovered. Yeah. Producer Bree over here just sent me a or showed me a, a note because she won't say this on, on the audio, but right. she, she gained thirty pounds. And your body fat's probably lower than when you um than when she started. I mean, you were a little skinny, fat CrossFitter when she started. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, uh, yep. enough people have seen Breed where they understand that Breed looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, kind I of took bulk. her with me to Tulsa this past weekend for the grand opening. And a little bulky, wouldn't Everybody you say? was crawling all over yeah, her yeah. like a, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because she's she looks good because she's got a lot of muscle and right. people, especially the people we deal with, yep. the people we deal with in our business, like muscular men and muscular women. Right, that's what we like. Our aesthetics are not the same as everybody else. Not everybody wants to look like Gwyneth Paltrow. Thankfully, you know. Yeah, not everybody wants to look like that right you know some people want to have a physical presence you know which is and this is again this harks back to the oh god uh, northern european culture that uh is uh so desperately being undermined these days it's uh, it's a damn shame to watch everybody deny what brought them here. Yep. But that's what's going on. Uh, we, on the other hand, like you to be big and muscular. All right, so what happens at 38% body fat? Well, that's a different problem, isn't it? 38% body fat's a different problem. 40% body fat's a different problem. 40% body fat 
is not a training problem. 30% body fat is not a training problem. 30% body fat is too high. I am probably about 25% body fat. And that's a healthy body fat for a 66-year-old lifter, you know, even though I'm not as strong because of all the injuries I've accumulated. You know, I can still move some weight around. I still train twice a week. I have a conditioning workout I do once a week. I lift. You know, I rack pull. I squat. Even with this fucked up knee, I can still squat a little bit. And uh, and at 25%, uh, you could probably say I could stand to lose down to 20%, but I don't want to be any lower than 20%. I don't want to be any lower than 20%. I weigh about 235 right now. I could probably stand to get down to 220, but it's – I just don't want to. I don't see that it's worth a bunch of sacrifice. I have few pleasures anymore. <laughs> I, like to, I like to drink. I like to eat, you know. And I'm not an enormous fat whale. And, you know, the comments from the haters notwithstanding uh, – you know, I don't look awful. Yeah, and over over sixty, you, know, you shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, I'm sixty six years old. You fucking morons! <laughs> Can you not cut a guy some slack? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> there's, there's there's clients though. There's guys who come in in their in their late sixties and they want to stay at a at a low relatively low body fat and yeah, it's not it's, a good idea it's not a good idea it's not healthy yeah at that you point know, nobody my can... buddy johnny brown comes in yeah and johnny right. brown it works his ass off there's never been a more hard working guy yep. johnny's a welder but johnny's too skinny yep. johnny's 5'11 he weighs about 160 pounds and i worry about johnny i don't if 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 he gets pneumonia yeah yeah he gets sick yeah. and gets into his lungs he's not going to be as – I would much rather be 5'8", 235 and get sick than 5'8", and 165 right. and get sick. Yeah. You know. Yep. But, again, I'm not carrying 30% body fat. I'm not carrying 40% body fat, no matter what the Internet thinks. Yep. That's not my body composition. You know, you can see abs under the fat on me. Yep. You know, I've still got a little line right there separating my side from my abs. Um, and you don't have high blood pressure. And I don't have high blood pressure. Blood sugar's under control. Blood sugar's normal. All the shit that actually I, matters at your age. All the, all the shit that I should be worried about if I was a sedentary, right. lazy fuck is not a problem for me. Yep. And, uh, but let's say we got a guy that's 38% body fat. What do we do with him? Start training. Well, we, we, we start him training. Sure. But 38% body fat, again, 38% body fat is, is, is not a training problem. 38% body fat's a dietary problem. And if you're going to talk to the guy about 38% body fat, you're going to have to get him to be honest with you about what he's eating. Because, and here's the problem with nutrition science, the vast majority 
of nutrition science is done with self-reported data. And people are not going to report because it's impossible to control any other way. You can't do a study on it because it's too damn expensive to sequester people in a great big facility and and feed them only what the what the what the the study wants them to eat. You can't do it. You can't do it. So if you're going to do a an exercise science or nutrition science paper, you're going to rely on self-reported data, and people will not accurately report what they ate. They won't do it. There've been, I mean, nutrition science itself knows that self-reported data is bullshit. It's never accurate, and yet they do it anyway. So, if you're going to have any hope of determining exactly what this guy eats, you're going to have to have him keep what's called a food journal, where he writes down. He keeps it with him. He writes down everything he eats all day every day for three or four or five days and that way you get a picture of what's going on here and you got to tell him to not lie to you on it because he'll leave out the cokes you know he'll leave out the cake he'll leave out significant (laughs) calorie sources because he thinks you don't want to see that but what you want to see is the data you don't want to see what the data ought to be, you want to see what the data is. That's what everybody does when you have them start logging. They give you, you know, they you, give no you matter, bullshit. Well, no, no matter how much you tell them, it's like just give me a normal day, normal day. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Just give me what you're doing right now. And the minute they start logging, they change all the shit they're doing. And all of a sudden, like you get a food log for somebody who who needs to lose weight, and they want to lose weight, and you get breakfast. I had three eggs lunch i had uh chicken and broccoli Motherfucker, yeah, no, that's not what you're eating that's not what you're eating every day like that's you, not what you this is that's what you not started what you were eating to get where you are right. now now that's I'm, cool if that's what you're going to eat but you got to eat like that for the next year and you're not going to do it so you got to tell me what you've been eating up to this point so i can see what to change right. for you but 38 percent body fat is a is a dietary problem you can't run 38 percent body fat off you can't squat 38% body fat off. You have to moderate what the hell you're eating. There's no other way to do it. Now, it doesn't have to make you miserable. This is the thing that people don't understand. Right. If you go on, uh, you're 38% body fat, and you go on a, a carbohydrate-restricted diet, and you can manage to stick with it for four days, you won't be hungry anymore. Because hunger comes from blood sugar fluctuations. And if you don't eat a lot of carbs, blood sugar flatlines and stays there, and you quit experiencing hunger pains. Pangs. Pangs. Pangs, whatever they call those. You'll forget to eat. You literally will. You'll literally forget to eat. But you have to go through the process of getting there. And if you can stick with it for four or five days, you'll be fine, okay? But you cannot get from 38% body fat down to a normal body composition without a dietary intervention of some sort. The main difference being between the skinny guy and the fat guy is the fat guy will be able to keep adding weight to the bar for a longer time right with while while losing weight, at least initially, right? So Because he's got a calorie 
Sort deposit of like, on him that doesn't have it. to be provided right. Right. by his diet. Yeah, but you got to start building the the habits, you know, for the for three months, six months down the right. line from from day one, or it's not going to work. Right, and, and that's the that's the common issue. You know, you get to the end of this thing and you've got a three hundred and fifty pound squat, but you've lost no weight or you've gained weight, which is even worse. And then they blame you know they blame the program, right? Because they didn't do it right. They didn't do the program. You've written the article, the clarification, right? That's in right. there. Right. I mean, part of the program is is correct nutrition. Correct nutrition for a 38% guy Eat less. and a 12% guy are different things. Yeah. Two sides of the same coin, really, right? It's just ha- the, the, the little guy has to consistently eat more than he wants to. The big guy has to consistently eat less than he wants to. Right. That's, that's you know, you got to train at the same time. You know, that's, that's, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you. If, I was, if it was me, I'd rather be the 38% guy that was trying to lose some body fat. It's always than, easier. Because it's easier to yeah. eat less than it is to eat 5,000 calories Because the skinny guy's problem is he doesn't like to eat. He doesn't like to eat right. or he wouldn't be skinny. Yeah. Right. And he has to eat more than he wants to all the time. Yeah, it's hard, and that's a lot more invasive. Yeah, than just sticking with the damn thing for four or five days until the hunger moderates, sure. and then you're fine. Sure. Yeah. You know that's not a big deal. Yep. It really is not a big deal. But for a guy that every time he has to eat four times a day, and he has to eat more every time he eats than he wants to. Yeah. These guys are almost gagging. Like, it's awful for them. Oh, it's just, you know. <laughs> it's so it's, weird it's, to see. It's a fight. It's so weird to see a little skinny guy, like, like with this delicious cheeseburger in front of him, and he's just like, I can't eat it. Like, what the fuck's it. wrong with you? Eat it. It's eat delicious. It. Can I have it? <laughs> you don't want it? Let me have the damn thing. But, my God, I remember, man, back when I was in that, my middle 20s, getting big, uh, I remember being so damn hungry all the time. God almighty. I remember being at the Olympic Training Center for a for a, a certification one year, and this is back in the '80s. And the Olympic Training Center had great food back then. Their cafeteria was fabulous, fabulous place to eat. And I ate twenty five pork chops <laughs> in one in one sitting for dinner. Shit. <laughs> 25 pork chops. Didn't bat a fucking Fuck, eye. Man. How long did that take? Well, about a half hour. Oh, damn. 45 minutes, maybe. Damn. It was, you know, and other shit, too. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just 25 pork chops. Right. They was all you could eat. Yeah. The whole damn cafeteria was all you could eat. And it was, yeah, it was, it was I have eaten 225 shrimp <laughs> at one time, too, because I counted it. <laughs> Were other people eating that much at the Olympic Training Center, or were you like the weirdo in the? No, corner? I really wasn't the weirdo. Was, everybody know, was I mean, eating a lot, lot of a lot of the guys yeah. that hungry. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're trying to you're training your ass off all day. Right, you're you're just gonna you're gonna be hungry. Yep, it won't be a big problem. Yep, these little skinny guys that won't eat aren't training hard enough either. Right, you know that's true. They're not training that's hard true. enough either because that makes your appetite increase. Yep. I mean, you you. You know, I used to amaze people with how much I could eat. Yeah. Well, it's a similar, I guess, psychological issue because if you, if you really wanted to squat twenty more pounds today, 
you probably don't have a problem eating because you really want to do that scrap, right. right? So yeah, you're it's extremely kind of, motivated. Yeah, it's kind of the same issue. Extremely, extremely motivated to do whatever's necessary. And what these what the little guys that are not ever going to grow don't understand is that I understand the training is hard, but for a skinny guy who's not used to eating, the dietary intervention is much more invasive. Yep, we know that. Yep. Can you do it or not? Right. If you just do it for a little while and increase your ability to train harder, your appetite will grow along with this. It's not like that. I mean, look at Chase. You know, he eats like three people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's normal for for a kid that age getting big and strong. That is absolutely the way he ought to be eating six thousand calories a day is probably what he's eating and that's about right right that's what it takes that's what it takes to fuel that level of anabolic activity caused by that intense a training situation right and it's not just the calories he's eating he's eating a shitload of protein with all those calories oh yeah that's what i mean you know he's you know I mean, he just has a mountain of meat on a plate. I've eaten. I remember being able to eat a 24-ounce steak yeah. by myself. Yeah. That's that's nothing. Yeah. That was absolutely nothing. I would buy a London broil, you know, like that, and like that, eat the whole damn thing. It, it astonishes me sitting here at 66 <laughs> that I could do that, but that's... Oh, yeah. I did that for years. You know, but that's, that's, that's normal for a lifter. Right. That's normal for a lifter. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, if, if you look at the tails, you look at the extremely low body fat. And extremely high body fat here. In the middle is about eighteen percent. Right. All right. Over here on the on the low end, the little skinny guys that don't train are twelve percent. And fat guys over here are 50 percent body fat. Fifty percent body fat's a bad problem. Right. You don't get to be fifty percent body fat by training. Yep. You're training real hard. You're not going to be 50% body fat. You just can't. It just doesn't happen. You will have done something about it. Right. If you start training at 50% body fat, you're just all of the combined forces that cause you to come to the gym will act upon you, and you will moderate your bullshit calorie intake to the point where you're losing body fat. Yep. Like you now you may only to get be. down to 35 or 40. You may only get down to 35 or 40, but the muscle mass will be such that, I mean, there are guys walking around at 35% body fat that are in real good shape. Yep. Aren't many, but there are, they're around. Yep. Should they be, would they mechanically be more effective in their training yep. at 25%? Well, of course they would. Sure, sure. Yeah. Of course they would. And, you know, there's some guys just, like we said to begin with, you endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph. Right. Yeah, you're just there. That kind of genetic endowment is 
got to be taken into consideration. Yep. Not everybody is Charles Bronson, right? <laughs> Beautiful arms, <laughs> you know, thin skin, long muscle bellies, perfect physique. You know, not everybody's Frank Zane. Yep. Yeah, for the guys in the middle, then you know, because because uh, the majority of people starting to train now, everybody starts training because they want to look better, right? Sure. Regardless of what I they, think that's re, re, that, almost a universal. That's Most people that are going to continue to train from from now on will outgrow that, yep, and develop an interest in strength or something. Well, the, something the, along the lines of performance. They they can they can right. be you can have both, you can have both. The point is to think about how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. So, because so, we always go, people always go to this bulk cut shit. You know, like bulk, get fat, cut down, reduce performance. But you you can do both. You just do it reasonably, right? You're, if you're twenty percent body fat, you're gonna have to gain weight to get stronger. But you don't have to go to thirty five percent body fat. You don't even probably have to go to twenty five percent body. No, fat. no, you don't have you, to go. You to might that. go down in body fat. In body composition, but sure. the point is the weight on the bar needs to go up. But if the if your performance is not tracking upward, then you're not training correctly. Right, right. Yeah, people just lose sight of the fact that getting your squat from 120 pounds to 275 pounds is not going to make you look like a lifter. Getting your squat from 115 pounds to 400 pounds or 450 will make you look like you lift yes. weights. Right. So right. so w- what typically happens is that shit starts to get hard around the 275, 300 pound mark on the squat for a normal guy. Mm-hmm. And then they say to themselves, oh, shit, I'm getting fluffy. I need to maybe go on a cut. You know, I think I need to and then their progress in, in your progress under the bar stops. stops because they have decided that body composition is more important than performance. Right. But when when all they've really done is uh, just lost weight and not really improve their body composition, right. their body composition doesn't get better. It doesn't get any better. It's, it it probably maybe even gets worse if they stop training productively, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it 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 is. Our approach to this whole thing is based on performance. Yeah, there's no reason to separate you, the two. And this this is the thing I've been telling the co- the new coaches at the gyms is that you need to teach people how to perform well to improve their performance. And help them with their aesthetic goals at the same time because you can do both if you're a good coach. You need to learn how to do that. Right. Right. And telling everybody that when their squat gets hard that they need to start eating a fucking cake or some shit is not the way to do it. Right. No. You, you fucked up. You, you didn't. You, you didn't. You didn't. Meet, you didn't set the road for yourself with habits and shit early on. Right. You like this is going to get hard. You got to be eating more protein. So instead of having all these conversations about you need to be eating 200, 220 grams of protein a day, you know, people tend to ignore that shit until stuff gets hard. And then now it's like this massive intervention. You've got to, you've got to drink milk. You've got to do this. You've got to do all this silly shit rather than having, having built the, uh, having built the process early on. Does that make sense? Well, it, it, uh, as a coach counseling people on this, um, you know the the primary job of the coach is to coach performance right you coach performance now that involves teaching people how to squat when the weight's heavy right there's a way to do it there's a way you move the barbell when the weight is heavy but it also involves getting recovered right with the correct nutritional approach to recovery from all of this giant 
amount of work that you are coaching the lifter to do under the bar. All right. Both things must be paid attention to. Exactly. Both things are terribly, terribly critical. If you cannot convince the lifter to finish the set of five because the fourth rep was real, real hard, he's got to learn how to at least try the fifth rep. Now, that's your job as the coach. Your job as the coach is to motivate him when things get rough. All right? Now, he won't always need you to do that. If he's going to be a decent lifter, he'll learn from you what to do when things get tough. But you got to teach him how to do that. But the other part of the thing is what you tell him, the, what, the things that you tell him that he has to do outside the gym are very, very important as well. Those are the recovery aspects. And the, the thing that most people have the best control over is their diet. People don't always have control over how well they sleep because you can't always control all of your external circumstances. You know, you have to learn to use earplugs. All right. You got to need, you need to get some earplugs and you have to know when to, when to use them. Cause if you get woke up by noise all night, let's say you live in some hellish nightmare like Brooklyn where there's people right there, right? You can't control the noise they're going to make. You got to be able to sleep, so you got to got to get some earplugs. All these little tricks you've got to learn how to do. But the thing that you've always got control over is your diet. All right, don't eat a cake. Have another eight ounces of hamburger meat. Okay. Eat if you need to gain weight. You have to eat more than you want to eat. You got to plan on that. You got to plan to do it. If you're too fat. You've got to stop eating so goddamn many carbs because that's how you got fat. Carbs are what made you fat. You know that. So you're going to have to stop being hungry for carbs, which means that instead of eating carbs, you eat other things. Doesn't mean you eat less necessarily. It just means you have another piece of steak. So there's no room for carbs, right? There's ways to handle this that won't kill you. You know, it doesn't need to be a psychological test every time, every time you train. I mean, every time you eat, you've you've got to you've just got to learn how to not eat so much sugar. Because if you're at forty percent body fat, that's what did it. Carbs did it, and it's manageable. It's manageable. We don't want you hungry. If you're training hard, you can't be hungry. You have to eat. But you have to eat things that are productive for your training, and a bunch of carbs are not productive for your training. right? Now, you can't go on an Adkins diet. You can't go on, on a keto diet and train productively on keto. It doesn't work. You have to have some carbs to train. But when you get home from the gym and you're going to sit down and eat a big supper so that you can go to sleep and get recovered and stuff, Protein's got to be the primary constituent of the meal. You've got to eat enough protein to get this done. You have to have some carbs with it, but not dessert. <laughs> well, think about it. It's really hard to overeat whole potatoes that aren't fried, right? So, right. Uh, I mean, 
yeah, when you say carbs, like it's cookies, cake, it's the shit that's really I'm talking about sugar. It's really easy to eat because sugar is how you got fat. Okay, you didn't get fat eating, eating vegetables, eating potatoes and broccoli. You didn't get fat <laughs> eating potatoes and broccoli. You got fat eating cake and cookies and sugar and drinking cokes, drinking sugars. How most people get fat? They drink sugar because it's easy to drink sugar. Yep. Coca-Cola. Yeah. And if you're skinny, drink Coca-Cola some Coca-Cola Corporation. Drink some sugar if you're skinny. Coca-Cola Corporation has been a force for evil for a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> Just absolute. God, they've ruined so many people's teeth and lives and everything else. But they sure as hell have made a lot of money, haven't they? Yeah. You know, I guess to, to sum it all up, um, we train for performance, all right? And performance should dictate your body composition. And that that's probably the easiest way to think of this. That's exactly right. Yep. Performance should dictate your body composition. If you're training heavy, and you're training at a very high level, you're going to look like you train heavy at a high level. And if you eat in order to recover, and food is the tool for recovery, and you treat it like that, then everything takes care of itself. Everything pretty much takes care of itself. You're not going to be 38% body fat. You're not going to be 12% body fat. You're not going to be 12% body fat. Just get that out of your mind. That's not a healthy body fat for somebody that trains heavy unless you have extremely weird-ass genetics. Now, there are a few people that do. That's where bodybuilders come from, is people with thin skin that just naturally don't carry a lot of sub-Q fat. But normal human beings carry subcutaneous body fat. That's where we have evolved to carry it. And it needs to be there. If you have decided that your diet is going to serve your body composition instead of your training, then you're fucking your training up. Okay? That's probably the yeah. easiest way to state this, right? right? Yep. Yep. Did I leave anything out? It's pretty good. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I guess the haters are already typing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Rip is fat. Rip is fat. Look at his belly. Can you see my belly from here? Oh, the tables. The tables. Tables in the way, in the way of my belly. Yeah, my belly's all the way out here, <laughs> under the table. <laughs> under the table. You got it wedged under there. Yeah. <laughs> Stand up. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, you people. God almighty, train for performance, okay? Eat for performance. Body composition goes where it needs to go. It won't be a giant, huge problem for you, all right? And just keep all this stuff in mind when you start um, deciding that you're too fat, all right? Don't let irrational... Uh, unrealistic expectations ruin your training because it's damn sure done it for lots of people. It really has. Okay. 
So, that having been said, we will see you guys next time on Starting Strength Radio. <laughs>